Here we go, boys. So this is the second <laughs> episode of High Spots and Hot Takes. We uh, kind of shit the bed for the last two months. All my fault. I'm a lazy turd bastard, which you all probably know. Or why the fuck did I just say that? You all, know. you all probably know as if, people are, as if people are going to listen to this. You two guys know I'm a lazy hog bastard. That's, all, that's all, the important part. All three people that might listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I, I I don't know. It was it was on Spotify, and now I can't find it. So, oh, I don't know. Maybe they kicked well, us off. They said it was trash, and that was it. Or maybe it's because we didn't do anything for two months. That could be it too. Yeah, that could be it too. So, all right, guys. So tonight uh, we are going to talk wrestling. We have a special guest with us. His name is Josh. He claims to be the head of the table, but more like given oh, yeah. head. More like given head under my table. No, no, I'm jealous. No, no fat, that fell flat. <laughs> Not going to acknowledge that. Oh, 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 you fucker, man. He claims to be head of the table. Looks like Paul Heyman. No, don't insult Paul Heyman. <laughs> oh, 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 the zingers have started. The zingers have started. <laughs> I, I don't want to turn my head so you can see my rat, rat tail of days of old. <laughs> do you, do you see, what shirt you wearing, pig? NWO or something? Just ah, nice, nice. <laughs> um, all right, classic. so uh, what's up? Classic, oh, so I've got to go classic, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I never have any wrestling shirts or anything, I never did that. I don't know, I just figured I was already gross enough. Why really let everyone know? You know, it's like, sorry, Josh, yeah, but now you're big time that you'll be uh, running security in the state of Minnesota for all the high, t- you know. High names oh, and big people. And first big job is Lizzo, baby. There you go. Wait, is that, the table. is that literal big job or was that just like the big job? Oh, no, she's a big job. We're going to, it's yeah. going to be like Operation Dumbo Drop. We got to get her, <laughs> we got to get her to Treasure Island ASAP. So, should uh-huh. be a good time. Uh-huh. And I've been fired already. Look at that. How All that right. Go? Look at that. <laughs> and right. we're done. Yeah. And we're done. So, uh, yeah, I figured we'd kind of start it off. I want to start with you, Russ. We're going to go through tonight kind of the uh, the rise and fall of our enjoyment of WWE. We're going to kind of cover when we started to like it, our first experience watching it, things we really liked, storylines, our favorite superstars. And then in the tail end, I kind of want to go with the downfall. So explaining where... For us personally, it became a harder to swallow program, something harder to watch and invest our time. And I thought that'd be a good idea for tonight. Yeah, and, yeah I liked it when you sent that to me earlier. Yeah, and yeah. we have a special guest, like I said, Josh, here with us. Hopefully he joins us again and again and becomes part of the team because just me and Russ talk. And we, I think, collectively over nine months, we probably talked about wrestling for 300 hours. Or something, oh, somewhere, easily. Somewhere yep. in that neighborhood. So we, we kind of know each other and out and Josh, me and you have had some of the best conversations about wrestling uh, bar none ever. It's, you know, we, I, I've had some awesome conversations with you and I've told you before you speak well and things you're passionate about. I really think you bring a lot to the table that you're the head of you fucking prick. Oh yes. All uh, right. <laughs> so, I think I want to start off with you, uh, Russ, if okay. you don't mind. Um, no, absolutely. I, I kind of want to know what was the first memory you have of watching WWE and what was it that 
kind of hooked you in and made you want to watch more other than the dudes in the underwear and all that yeah stuff. i mean that was the first part was the dudes in the underwear and you know the gigantic physiques and the hogan colonel, colonel robert parker colonel robert parker and the hogan leg drop his third leg drop i mean yep. how can you not like that as a kid but big, big uh, blue leg drop thermos baby there you go that's right thermos that's what it was <laughs> uh thinking thinking about it like my first memory goes way back to uh, when macho man randy savage and george the animal steel had their big feud over elizabeth where it was was it wrestlemania two three maybe after that some i don't remember exactly when it was but that's that's like my first real memory of it, just because you see, as a kid, you know, George Animal Seal coming out, this big, huge guy, hairy, looked like he had a sweater on all the time, the green tongue, and this, this, those two characters struck out to me that of the things I remembered first. And, you know, watching more of it with, you know, the superstars of wrestling on Saturday mornings and then the Saturday night main events, you know, every few months. You know, the characters from back in the late 90s or late 80s really drew me in with the, you know, Jake Roberts, Million Dollar Man, Mr. Perfect, all of those guys that could could work in the ring, but were amazing characters and told great stories in and out of the ring. Gotcha. Gotcha. You see, I, me and Josh are same age and you're a little bit older than us. It's yep. really nice that you have that. Um, you have that memory of that and you have that knowledge of stuff from the eighties. Cause I didn't start watching until like 95. So when you said macho man and George, the animal steel, I never even knew. Oh yeah. I never even knew they had a feud. How the yep. hell would that be a debate? Which one is she going to pick? Come on. Well, because, well, right. But macho was, was the douchebag asshole. And then George was this big lovable guy who protected her and saved, you know, assumably saved her from savage and his, his being mean to her. So it was, just that you know, ultimate bad guy versus good guy, and saving the girl, the prop in the middle. So it was, it was. I mean, that was what I remember first and foremost. And then mm-hmm. you know, watching that stuff, like the Undertaker, Ultimate Warrior, and the casket. I remember watching that with just glued to the TV at twelve, you know, twelve, eleven, whatever it was when that happened, and just thinking like, this is the coolest shit I've ever seen on TV. Yeah, it was because you know, like, all right, I know it's not real but these people are acting like it and they're trying to bust into this, you know, into this casket. And I'm, you know, you're watching it as an adult. You're like, really, you're going to use that type of hammer to try to get are Like, Oh wow. Why don't you just go get a little baby toy hammer for <laughs> instead of like getting power tools, but it was a story. And that's what, like, those are the types of things that really stuck me, you know, pulled me in uh, Jake Roberts and macho man with the Cobra uh, biting him on the arm. Like that, that's wrestling from my childhood and my younger days that, you know, you grew up, you, there was great stories great characters and it really just it made you want to come back week after week to see okay well he got bit by the snake this week i want to see what happens next week is he going to get him back is he going to come back with his arm all taped up or look make it look like it's been cut off because he had to amputate it because a cobra bit him for Christ's sakes <laughs> yeah. yeah i uh yeah i didn't I, like i said i don't have a lot of memory of that stuff and i i've never gone back and watched it sadly because i mean it's my own thing but um I just know, I don't know. It just never, it didn't appeal to me when I was younger. My brother would watch it, you know, and he's four years older than me. So he watched that really early nineties. He really loved it. And I just, I've never given it the time and gone back and watched it. And I really, I know I should, because I know there's a lot of classic matches and a lot of really good characters, which is what I want out of wrestling, you know? And one, one, one last thing about watching it when I was younger, the, commentary teams were unbelievable who was it on commentary well it was vince and um jesse the body for the longest time 
yeah. then you you would mix in um, Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon. Oh. And it, it was just, it was so good because it was so polar opposite. You know, Vince McMahon was the the white meat baby face telling a story and, and cheering for the heels. And you got, um, you know, Bobby Heenan calling everybody a ham and egger and all of this type of stuff. So it's, it, it is that helped tell the story and pull it all together. So you, you really were invested in it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that does make a huge difference because, you know, if you've been to a live show, the biggest thing that is the most jarring in my opinion is not, there's no commentary. Yep. Yep. So it kind of, you lose that whole aspect of, okay, why is this? I mean, it's a good match and whatever, but you, you miss all the, the little yes. quips and stuff that get yep. you into it. And yeah, a good commentary team is definitely a, a must. So that's yep. really cool. That's, that's awesome. Uh, Josh, how about you? I think for me, I mean, my whole family was like a wrestling watching family. So even like at my grandma's, in fact, on the weekends, we would go over to my grandma's and just watch wrestling like Saturday night main event and then whatever pay-per-view would come on or whatever. And I, I kind of remember, you know, like Hulk Hogan and stuff, but the thing that really hooked me is, um, and I remember it so, so well, uh, I was five years old and, uh, it was actually the debut of the undertaker, you know, and I was sold ever since from day one on that character. And, um, yeah, I mean, my family was just really into it and they broke off, but like my, my dad would be working all week. And so we'd come home and on the weekends, like Saturdays, and then we'd be over there Sundays, we'd go, you know, to my grandma's, like I said. And so, and my aunt was really, really into it. She lived with my grandma cause she needed some extra care. And, uh, my aunt needed some extra care, which she passed away a few years ago. And my family, when we were actually cleaning out her apartment, they found like an original WrestleMania cup that, um, you know, that my whole family thought I should, I should have. Right. And at that, so they, they knew the connection that I had in the family and with my grandma and with my aunt of just how special wrestling was. And what sold me was just the, uh, the suspending of belief, you know, like, um, we, they kept the kayfabe and everything going for a long time. However, what was just really cool is just, you could tell it was kind of fake, even though I was young, but it was that, uh, suspension of belief of like, you know, that's okay. You know, because I've been to the circus too. And what they do at the circus is absolutely amazing. And you have no clue what's about to happen. So at the end of the day, that just doesn't matter. It's what are they going to do next? What's going to draw me in? And uh, one thing that has always stuck with me as well is the pure athleticism of it. Because you're, it's, it takes an incredible athlete to work with an incredible athlete to pull off some of the crazy things that they've evolved into over the years. And then uh, you, you have to be a jack of all trades too because if you can't sell your character, you know, you're, you're not going to go over you're, uh, so you have to be good on the mic. You have to be good, um, you know, just true to your character and, uh, yeah, to really suspend that belief and the culmination of, of all of that, I, I gotta say, um, no one could suspend belief as well as the undertaker. And he was probably one of the most far-fetched characters that could do it. 
and that's what drew a lot of people in and i was one of them so that's what uh, drew me in at a very young age awesome and i know to this day you love the undertaker he is oh, yeah. without a doubt your hands down go greatest of all time uh yeah. And I and I know that about you. And it's that is one wrestler that yes, you can't debate that. That nobody can say, Oh, Undertaker's my favorite, and have somebody go, Why? How? You know, he is yeah. he is, yeah, he is the larger than life presence that that company's had for 30 years, you know. The guy I think you got muted. Oh, yep. All right. Hang on, guys. There we go. Am yep. I back? You're back. Yep, you're back. Yep. Okay. So, uh, yeah, he uh, definitely, I can see where that would be a big draw. And they did that at Survivor Series, right? They did the gobbledygooker that year. And then, yep. oh, yeah. Um, yep. So, I, again, I, I've seen the highlights of the match, but did he survive the whole Survivor Series match or was he eliminated? I don't remember. I don't he remember. Survived. He was, he, in fact, I'm pretty sure he was undefeated all the way through until he lost the championship. Okay. So he, he came in, you know, very strong, you know, with, uh, he showed up with brother love, which of course later was, uh, you know, they gave him uh, Paul bear, but, uh, yeah. And, and just, it was, it was at a time when gimmicks were like an all time high. Right. Yes. Um, yep. you know, and that's at, at that time period really, really made wrestling special. And, um, so, but they had a lot of funny stuff. They had a lot of fun stuff. They had these power guys and everything. But uh, other than like a, a few things that I can't even really think of, it was the first true visit to like the dark side, you know, things that are dark. And um, it was not something that was overly an acceptable thing at the time of just, um, you know, common culture. And so it that's why it went over so well. It's like, hey, this is really new. This is really fresh. This is kind of kind of scary. Yeah, you know. And we look back on that now, and we've evolved as a culture. However, there's a lot of respect that goes into, you know, that uh, original like, you know, more gunslinger type look, and yeah. uh, you know, and then. You know, to keep that suspension of belief, I, I just really like that word set with this. Um, there was a character that every couple of years he would refresh himself and he'd say true to a lot of what he always did. You know, he always had the coat in some capacity. The hat came back and forth and uh, the talk of the dark side and those those things um, even held true even during the biker phase and everything. He still had some things that linked him back. And, uh, yeah, true suspension of belief, man. And that was, yeah, it was, it was just really, really great. And it was always, always entertaining to see how he would interact with, uh, with the other wrestlers. Uh, Russ, I have to tell you a story about All right. uh, something he did. And this is the funniest thing I think I've, this, this was, this was really good. So when Undertaker, was it when he fought Roman Reigns at WrestleMania? Was that when it happened when he took his gloves off and everything? I get uh, just a random text. <laughs> it's a picture. And what was it, Josh? Your Xbox headset oh, yeah. over the top of the coat? Or what the hell was it he well, had? Let me tell you. Okay, I, yeah. And actually, just to further it, I was playing Destiny with with some friends and everything. So I was an Xbox player. And um, this is funny as hell. This is fucking I was, hilarious. I was so depressed after 
Undertaker lost to Roman Reigns, and you know he went and he folded his he folded his coat in the middle of the ring. He took his gloves off, put them in the middle of the ring on the folded coat and his hat, and then just everyone thought, "Hey, the, oh my gosh, this is it. He's done. He's retired." The very next day, my uh, buddies wanted me to get on, and I was just not feeling the game that day because I was actually shook up by what happened with Undertaker that I sent them a picture of, I have a full length leather trench coat also that I folded up, put down and then I have my Xbox controller and my headset on top of it just sent them a picture of that it was so, so good the Lucas too oh it was and funny, that, that's awesome. it, it was funny as shit I was like <laughs> what the hell is this <laughs> and then I put it together then you put it together, yeah good that's shit awesome. man, it was funny as hell that's awesome yeah. All right, Luke. So now it's up to you. Tell us your first your first memories of WWE WWF. Uh, at first, I hated it. I didn't want to watch it. My brother was really into it. His best friend Andy was really into it, and they would watch it at my house, and then my brother would go to his house, kind of back and forth. Um, I just I didn't want to like it because they talked about it so much, and I went, "This just looks stupid." And I was young. I, I like Ninja Turtles and other stuff, whatever. Uh, but it came to, we ordered SummerSlam 95, which had yeah. the, the grossest main event of all time. That should have turned me off forever to it. But uh, it didn't. It, it, that didn't. That match didn't matter at all. I, I, I couldn't have been more into, the, into that match because of what happened just before it. So Andy hated Shawn Michaels with a passion. I remember he hated Shawn Michaels. Oh, that guy's whatever. So I intentionally, to be a little dick, was going to cheer for him in his match. And that match just so happened to be the ladder match with Razor Ramon, the second ladder match. Yep. Holy shit. Um, I, at first, was watching it, and I was going, oh, that looks fake, and oh, this is dumb. But I, I couldn't take my eyes off it, because once that ladder came out, man, I was sold. And then to see... I mean, it's Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon in a ladder match. Come on. It, it, it completely pulled me in to the point that I was actually cheering for the end of the match. I was so excited. Shawn got the belt. Oh, my God. Fuck you, Andy. Yes. And <laughs> I just loved it. And, and I think it went the ladder match and then the casket match with Undertaker and Kama was next. And I didn't know a thing about Kama, and I didn't know a thing about The Undertaker, but man, The Undertaker was badass. And Kama looked really cool, who of course became the godfather, Papa Shango, all that. But uh, yeah, that's that's where I got hooked in. And then I just, I, I watched it kind of occasionally, and I kind of followed it. But at that age, you know, I wasn't really follow following it. I was just watching it on TV. And I watched just for Shawn Michaels and I watched just for Undertaker. That's who I wanted to see. So then when it took the turn to the Attitude Era, I believe I was 12 or 13, probably 13, seventh grade, I think, seventh, eighth grade. Uh, that's that's when I truly got hooked in, which I know is pretty cliche. Most people say, yeah, I watched during the Attitude Era, but I was so into it during the Attitude Era. Like I bought shirts that looked like the Rocks shirts. The, the $500 shirts. The silk button. Yeah, yeah, these were $17 Walmart silk shirts. And uh, <laughs> I would, I would, yeah. pair, I would pair them with the button up pants, the track pants. And uh, I'd go into school and tell teachers to suck it. And it was the best. I couldn't miss it. 
my friends couldn't miss it. We watched it at my house. I watched it at their houses. And of course, you know, Josh, I know you did this too. We would do the wrestling, you know, we'd wrestle in the yard and oh, yeah. out in the snow and everyone wanted to be somebody. And yeah, that I know it's not as good of a story as you guys have. I guess I'm not as good of a talker, but that, that for me was SummerSlam 95 is where I got hooked into it because of Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon. So I, and I, I, I cannot tell you how disappointed in you I am that you were not a mark for the diesel and Mabel match. What? That was the, that was the final match. Cause I just looked it up cause I wanted to see what the, what the, the um, main event was. And that was diesel and Mabel. That should have been a dark match. That was horrendous. That, that shouldn't have even happened. What the, yeah. Between the two of them, they had, you know, six moves, maybe. Yeah. It was like watching Eugene wrestle Beetlejuice. It was, it, <laughs> it was so bad. I couldn't yeah. believe it. Like when Mabel would hit the ropes, I was good. waiting for the break. They cut so far into his side titties. It was unbelievable. <laughs> like, cause he would hit him with the side and Jesus. And he was so ugly and he had mole with him and, Yep, men and, on a mission, baby. Yeah, and Diesel was badass. Like he looked, he, was. he looked he cool. Was. But then to see him actually in action, it was like, my God. Yeah, I, it didn't do anything for me. And to be honest, I don't know Kevin Nash's attitude. I like, but I can't. In the ring, he's got what five moves? And yeah, the quad, yeah. the quad blow, never, the elbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah he, had a, he had a great look at the quad blow. Yeah, the quad, yeah, quad blow. blow. <laughs> yeah, um, it's just. Yeah, I, that match, my God, it was bad. Everything Mabel did was bad. I don't know why they ever pushed that guy. What, on earth, why? Because he was big? Oh, yeah, he was that, a monster. That had to be it, right? That, that was, yeah. 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 It has to be it. Well, and they kept him around forever, too. Yeah, he had no, he so wasn't many... There. Big Daddy V and Viscera and all this other garbage that he did. Yeah, coming to the ring. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, no. Sexual, what was his name? Uh, Big Daddy V, yeah. When he when he wore the velour suits, yep, and nope. he would hump no. the guys on the oh my god, <laughs> Jesus, oh, what a I'm pile gonna, of trash that guy was. Hey, stop talking like that. I'm getting excited. I'm gonna have to go look up some Mabel matches. <laughs> no, matches. no, you you would be better <laughs> off looking up like a Buck Zoom off match from 2006 or something. <laughs> hey, you leave rock and roll Buck Zoom off out of this, okay. I think I've told you this, but I saw two shows that I did. Yeah. He he played a show at a bar up in Tall Moon, Minnesota, for fifty people. They came in a van, an old van, and they set up the ring themselves. And then they had the match, and there was female wrestler. And during the match, Zumoff was actually out in the crowd, and he was screaming things like "kicker in the cunt" and <laughs> all this other terrible shit. And then the next time I saw him was in Hibbing, Minnesota. This was probably for about 300 people. And he was in the crowd screaming, pull our tits out. Like, <laughs> this guy was a psycho. Like, yeah. holy shit. And, I mean, now I think he's in prison for having sex with his underage niece or something yep. like that. Yeah, yep. yeah. Oh, wow. Real greaseball. Thought he was Hulk Hogan. Josh, if uh, you don't know who he is, look him up. Yeah, don't. Wow. Don't bother. Just, it's horrible. Horrible, horrible. I think he wrestled on TV, though, didn't he? Like, back oh, in the day. Yeah, was... yeah, he was in WWF for a while and in AWA. And he, I mean, back in the day, I'm sure he was in the territories all over. But, oh, oh yeah. What a slime bag. That's Because that was his people. Like, that was his, like, it yeah. was so weird to see him show up with that girl and help her set up the ring and, then and then she, be in the cunt. Yeah, then she gets confronted by the big guy wrestler and he screams, kick her in the cunt! Like, 
Well, that's was, how you got. Your, that's how you got your wife, though, wasn't it? No, I, I, I no, that's not. <laughs> we'll talk no, about that another no, day. No, no, no. She was gonna kick you in the cunt. Never mind. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, pretty much. That, yeah, nowadays, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, the old cunt punt just put me out of commission. So, all right. Yeah. So let's go. Let's move on here and yeah. uh, let's talk about favorite wrestlers from when you guys first started watching. So, Luke, we'll start, we we'll uh, circle back with you here on this on the first subject. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I again, I, I kind of already said, and I think we kind of all did this. Well, if not you, Russ, but we all kind of have mentioned, you know, our favorite wrestlers. Um, well, Josh with Undertaker and me with yeah. Shawn Michaels. But uh, man, I was the generic like every man Attitude Era star loving. I love The Rock. I love Triple H, Undertaker, and Mankind. Those are my guys. Um, yep. I, I wanted to be The Rock so bad. I mean. Obviously, who doesn't now? But back then, oh, well, right? Back then, it was my whole life was basically like everything I knew pop culture was from South Park and wrestling, and the mixture of Cartman and The Rock is who I actually was in school. You know, I dressed like a <laughs> shitty dollar store version of The Rock and acted like Cartman. So that was you were you were The Rock if I ordered you off Wish.com. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's me, the Wish Rock. Yeah. Um, and I like The Rock, not for his in-ring performance. I still don't ever, and Josh, you may disagree with me, Russ, you may disagree with me, but I don't know that I would ever put The Rock in even like my top 20 best in-ring performers because I didn't watch him for his performance. I watched him for the story he was in, his promos, and just the, the energy of The Rock. I mean, when he came out, he commanded the crowd and the storylines, everything was made better when you interjected The Rock during the Attitude Era. It was, he really, for me, this is a, a hot take or whatever, all day long, I give The Rock more credit than Stone Cold. For me, I Stone Cold was good and all, but The Rock, for me, was better. I just liked him more. And it was funny because my second favorite when Sean was gone was Triple H. I liked mm -hmm. the two of them so much. I don't know what it was about Triple H that I liked because nowadays I don't like him so much. But back then, I just, I just, the idea of him winning the title or, you know, being the guy, this was 97, 98, 99 ish. I, I, I needed that. I loved Triple H. I wanted to see him win. And I, I can't recall other than DX what it was, but I, I liked, I liked him so much. And then when him and The Rock had that feud, it was like, uh, you know, I'm about to blow because I was so happy. I loved right. watching those two go at it. Um, just unbe just unbelievable chemistry between the two of them. They had that ladder match, or was it? A, did they have an Iron Man match? I believe. I think so. Josh, you would know more about this, but what was the one the where SummerSlam? SummerSlam '98. Yeah. yeah. China interfered to, for the ending. Yep. Yep, I actually, uh, that was the first match I jumped up and went, holy, sh you know, I remember, I can remember jumping out of my seat for yep. it. I was just, man, I was into that. And then, of course, The Undertaker, because, again, he's the enduring character that I have always loved. He's just, every iteration of him, I, I loved American Badass. I loved, you know, Ministry of Darkness, not so much. I know, Josh, that was your favorite back when he was getting fat and all that. And just <laughs> yeah. Enjoying life, but... Uh, yeah, of course, Undertaker, and then it was Mankind. Whenever I would wrestle outside with my buddies, 
I was mankind. I just had to be mankind. I I wasn't the rock then. Yeah, I don't. Were you squealing like a pig? Oh yeah, I was, but I I I'd use the excuse to be mankind because he was a fat turd like me. But then he also it was. I didn't see him as any good in the ring either, and I didn't see him as threatening. I saw him as a punching bag. But I liked that the underdog. You know, I, I really yeah. liked that. And I only recently just learned the guy was like six four. Yeah, he's a big dude. So. Yeah, holy crap. He would actually be terrifying coming at you, you know? Yeah. And I, I never knew that. So, um, yeah, those, those hands down my favorite from when I first really got into wrestling. Of course, my favorites as I grew older changed. But, yeah, those were. Nice. All right, Josh. So we know you've got The Undertaker. That's your, that's your oh, number yeah. one. What about, uh, what about other guys that you, were, you liked? Yeah. Or... Uh, because I liked the dark side when I was younger, like that, I thought like Papa Shango was kind of cool, so I really liked him. And then as I got into the uh, Attitude Era, well, I guess I liked Razor Ramon too. And then I was kind of watching the Monday Night Wars of you know WWF and WCW back and forth. I was always loyal to WWF though, and so I would watch you know WCW during commercials and um so but then it, it definitely quickly moved into i i really liked the rock and i too started to dress like the rock i have senior pictures to prove it <laughs> and uh i mean man I, I got into the promos and everything and uh uh i'll kind of touch on that in the ring with the rock subject you brought up lucas yeah the um so yeah he wasn't the best athletically but man did he bring energy into that ring you know he that energy in his promos that energy that you know he would he would get you to laugh he would you know put the people in the palm of his hand um he would bring that right into the ring with him and so with the athleticism that was in the ring of what they were doing um no one could tell a story like he did while it was going on while the matches were going on because he could always just one look at the crowd and he's got them you know whether he was a good guy or a bad guy he just he just had them and um like just the shaking around and the the, um, the way he took the stunner like a flopping fish the uh you know, the energy that he brought, you know, even when he was just smacking someone up and then spits on his hand and then, you know, and then the, the guy would just fly back and everything. And so, um, yeah, he was just so, so ridiculously over with the crowd that uh, um, he brought that energy with him. He brought in Stone Cold, you know, because that was the comparison earlier. You know, they people loved him just because he was just that tough brawler, uh, you know, just broken stool bar fight, you know, and, and something that someone could always get behind. But uh, I, I'm with you where I think The Rock was better. The Rock was better that um, because he was, uh, he just always told a better story, and so I absolutely loved The Rock, and then. Um, I loved to hate Triple H. I would oh. have never, ever wanted him off the show, but he was always going up against 
the people that I liked, uh, whether it was Undertaker or The Rock, you know, because, um, man, uh, he was he was the guy. Triple H was the guy even before he was the guy. You know, you saw the evolution of you knew it was coming. And so when DX broke up and all of that happened during the Attitude Era, and of course, this is at a time where wrestling was just at its absolute pinnacle. Um, yeah, he uh, he commanded, you know, respect. And that's something that's overdone nowadays. It's like, oh, you know, respect me and whatever. And it's a bunch of crap. But uh, he didn't have to talk about it. He didn't have to talk about, you know, it's about respect or whatever. No, he was going to bring it. You were, you were going to respect his in a ring in ring ability and the commanding presence that he brought it was just uh something unreal i love to hate him and that's why he goes down as one of my favorites also because um i always wanted to cheer against the guy and i felt good when he'd lose because that was very rare he took he took some very strong moments throughout his career and ran with him and and sold it really well and so he was for the longest time you know, there's just hardly a better heel to date. He he controlled the company as a heel. Uh, and literally, the storylines went there yeah. where he took over. You know, he took over. So, yeah, just a commanding presence of a wrestler. Um, as far as, like, mid-card and some underdog stuff, I really liked uh, – oh, man, I loved Road Dog. I loved oh, Road Dog. Oh, yeah. Yes. The energy he brought also was uh, – not quite what The Rock had, but a mid-card spot. Um, but it was just like a, some different flavor, and the guy's mic sp- mic skills were just great. He could really, he could really get the crowd going too, and then he could keep you going when he was in the ring too. And uh, you know, him and Billy Gunn just uh, brought such a fun uniqueness to the tag team division. They just weren't like another tag team, and they weren't like a, a big bad name. You know, they weren't just like a couple of tough guys or whatever. These guys were just juveniles doing it out there doggy style <laughs> and <laughs> just doing some ridiculous stuff. Um, and that, I think that just like even before DX, they were starting to do some of that stuff. And it, it just culminated with DX and then, you know, ushered in uh, just further into what, what attitude meant, you know, what attitude meant at that time. And, uh, each wrestler at that time brought like a, a different flavor of attitude. And that's why you could watch it so easily. And you wanted to watch every week because they somehow at that time captured a sense of, you always wanted to see what all of them were doing. There was very, you know, they made people like Viscera relevant, you know, when, cause if he was in a match, he's the other guys sold him, even if he wasn't that athletic of a, of a guy, there was like uh, uh, a way that the the uh, other guys sold them because that, that there's it'll never happen again. But that was at a time where the entire card, the, the entire roster, just about everyone outside of like the Blue Meanie um, had it. They had it, and they were selling it. Uh, they they just packaged that to death, and they sold it um, because they had the creative power to do it. Uh, which is something it's a lost art form at this point. You know, they don't have the creative power to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. AEW has gotten to where they allow a lot more of that, but uh, 
it's still restricted compared to the cans that they opened up back in the day. Yeah. But, yeah. So, um, Undertaker for sure, you know, Triple H, and to a funnier extent, Kurt Angle, especially when he's feuding with Shawn Michaels. I'll make your ankle hurt. All that. Just, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that guy. That guy uh, had gold in a lot more ways than just his medals. Uh, he, he was fantastic. Um, yeah. I love to hate him too. I just never want him to win. I mean, he'd go against Undertaker, my favorite. You know, when he was biker at the time, but he, dude, came out on like a little freaking buggy yeah. or moped yeah. or whatever, and then, and then, uh, like dump milk all over Taker's uh, bike and stuff, and just. Just, just a goofball, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just at a time when they all, they all had it. They all had that um, creative genius and creative control that, like I said, is a lost art form. So I, I liked a lot of those guys, but uh, Road Dog was definitely my my undercard guy. Really, gotcha. just loved him. Nice, gotcha. All right, Russ, let's hear it. All right. Well, I have to do two different time frames because. Starting in, you know, mid to late '80s, watching all of it, and then for a while, I went away from watching WWE and was more of a WCW guy. But you know, that's you know, Macho Man and Hulk left, and Ric Flair left, and all those guys were working for WCW. Nobody in WWE at that time really drew me in. That I was excited to see week in, week out. So I just I stopped watching that, watched more WCW. And then when the Attitude Era and the, and the Monday Night War started, then I started watching more and more, flipping back and forth, and I found myself watching more and more of the last hour of WWE and more of the beginning of the WCW because that's when all the workers were going out there. They had all the cruiserweight matches, all the good wrestling matches, but the stories yeah. were always better at the end of Raw. So like, when I was young, but you know, you're always you always like the good guys, you know, Hogan, um, Ultimate Warrior, all of those types of guys, you know. Uh, Jake Roberts with the snakes every time. And I'm petrified of snakes, but I love watching him come out and bring the big snakes. Um, Mr. Perfect, like, yeah, Mr. Perfect. How do you not like that character? I mean, just, just an overly obnoxious, like good at everything, had all the vignettes with the local sports teams and all that. And the guy was gold in the ring. Like he was so much fun to watch. So those are some of the guys, you know, uh, they sprinkle in Roddy Piper every once in a while during that stuff. So you get one of the best guys on the mic ever to come in. So that was always, always fun to watch that. Uh, you know, this was a time when like the rockers first came in from AWA. So it was fun to see them. Cause I'd watch them in, on um, eight, you know, AWA stuff when I was growing up. Then now you see them in, uh, in WWF at the time. So I'm like, Oh, I'm invested. I like these guys. They're I've no, I've watched them since I was little. So that was always fun. As I got older, and started going back to WWE. I didn't, there really weren't a whole lot of characters I didn't like because if you watch it just for the characters and the storylines, like Josh said, they were all good. Like they brought it every night, all of those guys did. I was, same as you, I love to hate Triple H. I just, I don't know why. I'm not a huge fan. I just, I, I don't know. Uh, but he's good. He does, he's great in the ring, all of those types of things. Kurt Angle was a name that I didn't even think of. Um, over the last couple of weeks, I've been just going back, watching some old Attitude Era pay-per-views and stuff on Peacock, just because they're on there. And, oh, my God, it's so much fun just to watch all of the shit we're talking about happen again and see how good all of those people were. And, you know, Angle comes into the ring and he's just gold. Like, it's, it's so much fun to watch all of that. 
uh, from that time frame, like Stone Cold was my favorite. Uh, and so he was 1A and The Rock was 1B. And depending on the day, The Rock was 1A and Stone Cold was 1B. Um, I think, and I don't know, maybe you guys have or did, before he broke his neck, he was one of the best workers in every company he went to. He held all the working titles everywhere, TV title uh, in, in every territory. So he was good. He was a really good wrestler. And then he broke his neck and he had to become a brawler. And then that's what you saw in the Attitude Era. So there was a big change in him and what he put out there. Uh, you know, like Josh said about The Rock, Stone Cold could do the same thing. He'd walk in, they'd go to, they'd go to lock up, and he'd double mi middle finger his opponent, and the crowd would go nuts. And yeah. so, I mean, it was, it, it was an era of, like, everybody was over. You didn't, they worked hard, but you could see it was just simple in the ring because they were all good together. No matter what they were doing, no matter which characters, whether it was Rock and Austin, Austin and The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker, like it was, it was all just amazing to watch and fun to be, you know, grow up seeing all of that stuff. And uh, now you watch it and it's like, it's okay, great. There's another dive. There's another Tope Suicida. Fantastic, great. The fifth, the fifth one in this match. Fantastic. That's great. And you know, I just I liked all of that just that interaction between the crowd and all of the competitors, like every one of them was fantastic. Yeah. And that's something you don't see today. I mean, every wrestler is just copy and paste. It, you know, it's like you said, the Tope Suicidas, um, they're all doing V triggers and all this stuff. Yep. You look at in the Indies and uh, they're all interchangeable. And WWE is kind of proving it right now by just letting go anybody, you know, they like yeah. more the fiend who was the highest selling for merchandise last yep. year and the coolest character they've done in forever and they're just letting it go yeah and you know and that's <clears throat> i think you muted yourself again oh it, my microphone's bouncing in and out i don't know i'm not tech am i there yeah yep, you're, you're good. good um yeah i don't know where i got cut off there but any, anyway it's it's yeah it's that's lost that that big star feeling of the wrestlers is lost no matter how hard it seems now that they push roman reigns or they push a seth rollins or they push anybody the crowd doesn't care and i don't care it's not there anymore you know does that make sense yeah absolutely and that's you when you were talking about it that is my thing with wwe right now is they don't you know, they used to talk about how they would always stand, everyone would stand at Gorilla and hear the pops and they'd make note of it or make comments. I'm like, oh, there's what we're doing for Mania or here's what we're doing there. Now it's, you will watch Roman Reigns in three segments a night and you will like it. Even if yeah. the crowd doesn't like it, even if they, they boo, there were, I was reading articles about how they're turning down cr crowd noise because they were booing people in the ring, like the Goldberg segment. Mm -hmm. They booed people with him so loud. They had to turn the crowd noise yeah. down so it didn't come across. Well, you didn't do that in the attitude era because you couldn't there wasn't that guy nobody was being forced down your throat yeah. everybody was good everybody worked at it and now it's oh hey we're gonna cut our one of our most popular characters but you know we'll bring goldberg back for another match nobody wants to see that yeah exactly and i, I didn't want to see it the first time he came back let alone this time for pizza it's just it's i i don't understand it it's not that's part of my main thing is that it's like, and it goes back to Cena because that was, he was the first champ you really saw that with, at least in my opinion, where they pushed him, pushed him, pushed him. And a lot of times the crowd hated him and they just kept pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. And I'm like, great. This isn't fun. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't like his matches. He's a good promo guy. That's fine. 
but the doctor of thugonomics never, you know, never really kept me on the edge of my seat. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd like to further the original question, you know, which was, you know, who is your favorite superstars? And uh, I, I'd like to ask you both and I'll just, I'll answer last. Um, who's your favorite superstar now um, that is current, that is still wrestling? In WWE, right? We're talking WWE pretty much. You could talk a, I mean, you, yeah, we could keep it WWE if you want to. That's that's fine. Uh, Ross, I'll have to have you answer this one first. Oh, of course you would, because I haven't watched WWE in forever. But um, I think Josh was okay with well, anything, right? You yeah. So, like, yeah. So, if okay. we're talking, if we're talking anyone, it's Jericho for me. Like, that's uh, he's. I think he's a, you could consider him a Mount Rushmore style wrestler just because his longevity and how he recreates everything. And I, I, I'm just a huge fan. Um, like if we're talking WWE, like in the ring, you know, like uh, Ricochet, uh, my, my, my twin brother from a different mother, uh, Cesaro, they're, they're both fantastic in the ring. Yeah. Neither one are great promo guys, but in ring skills there, I mean, and you can't leave out Randy Orton, at least in my opinion. Like he's he's too good and been doing it too long to not have him in that conversation. Okay. Yeah. Um. Oh boy, here I come with the grossest answer you guys are gonna hear all day, only because he's returning at SummerSlam. John Cena. I'm not joking. It might sound gross, but I've put some thought into it and. That dude could make the great Kali look like a main event wrestler. He made Umaga look good. Umaga was good. But Cena is the most, I think, versatile guy in the ring that they've had when you consider the matches he's pulled out of the people that he's had to work with because he's had to work with everybody. He had to feud with uh, Carlito, right? He, like I said, the great Kali. Uh, he had to have that ridiculous Tensai feud where he had to sell for for Tensai. You guys remember that? Like, yep. Mm-hmm. But then at the but then at the same time, he turned around and went the distance with Punk and Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens and Shinsuke and Seth Rollins, and he's never gone in there and shit the bed. Can you guys ever remember a time? He didn't at least bring it. And not just yep. from an in-ring standpoint, but from the superstar factor of John Cena is still a big name. And he's yeah. still he's still the draw. And on top of all that, I, I loved him when he was the Doctor of Thugonomics. I bought his CD. I listened to some of his songs a couple days ago. I like him. I liked him in Suicide Squad. I uh, just watched that yesterday. Um, I like the guy, and you put him in the ring, and I know that if anyone is going to bring the match down, it ain't going to be him. It's not going to be Cena. He has had high-caliber matches with people who deserved to be wrestling in fucking CZW with, like, Nick Gage, right? Like, where no one sees it. Um, He is is my favorite um, of of the people that are active today. Uh, But if I was going with, like, the full-time wrestlers, people who are out there all the time doing it... um, I would go with probably Kevin Owens because he's a pretty handsome looking dude. <laughs> Just kidding. No, but I like Kevin Owens. I I, yeah. I truly like him. He's yeah, and I very, I forgot very him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's good. I enjoy watching him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, um, you know, I, I am somebody that's, st- you know, not as big of a fan, but uh, still a fan of the current product of WWE. It's probably not a popular opinion, but, um, and I, I have to go with Roman Reigns at, at this point because, I mean, a year ago, absolutely hated him. Absolutely hated him um, from the day he showed up all the way through i couldn't stand the guy and they because they recycled him and recycled him and recycled him and he just tried to change you know they just tried to change him little by little and uh but yeah he was one of the guys that like john cena was just shoved down your throat shoved down your throat and that's what ultimately i think the fans didn't necessarily get tired of Roman Reigns, didn't necessarily get tired of John Cena, but just got tired of the company showing us the same thing. These guys could go out and have good matches and John Cena way better than Roman Reigns because I, I also have, I really struggle with people with like a low grade move set. I don't think that Roman Reigns was ever, had, ever had a whole lot of moves and I, I struggled with that. Um, however, I said all that to say this, when he came back and did this heel turn and united with Paul Heyman, I, I have to think that that is a thing that shook up the wrestling world, you know, in a time of COVID and there's no fans out there. There's nobody cheering or booing because they don't have the option to, um, but he got some creative control, which is a rarity in WWE, and um, and had Paul Heyman on his side and repackaged himself. He does some extra moves. He does things different in the ring. He comes in as a different presence because of this heel turn. And then when he... I, I got to say that that match at WrestleMania with Daniel Bryan and Edge is when I flipped the switch because I wanted to deny it because I hated him so bad. Mm-hmm. But it was just like, I was really enjoying what I was watching with him. And it was hard for me to accept that I was really enjoying because I hated him for so long. And when he stacked both of them and pinned them, I was like, okay, this is just something different. They're allowing him to do something different. And um, he is selling this to death. So this is the first time I really felt that. And I was at SmackDown um, nine days ago. I was at uh, live at SmackDown and that crowd was hot. And I, and I'm, I don't want to downplay what you said about the, you know, turning down the crowds and, yep. or anything like that, because absolutely that happened hundred percent. I, I don't disagree, but coming back and, you know, Cena got a lot of booze that didn't show up on the programming mm-hmm. and, but he also got a lot of cheers, huge pops. Uh, I've, that was probably my 18th or 19th WWE event. And um, that was the hottest crowd I've ever been a part of. It might've been just coming back out of COVID. People just have that fever, you know, just they want something that's to cheer for something that's feels normal to them. But um one thing I noticed that was not the same when I went back and watched the program was um, there was a moment at, at that where it was a contract signing between 
Roman Reigns and Finn Balor, where Cena ultimately comes out and um, ends up being the one to sign the contract, long story short. But the, the best part of what happened there was Roman Reigns, when he walked into the ring, calling himself the head of the table, looked at the table that was there, moved Adam and Sonya Deville out of the way and uh, put the chair right at the head of the table and sat down. And there was just the the biggest mixture of emotion in, in the crowd. Uh, on TV, you saw everybody boo. But there was a lot of just cheering and and uh, just the crowd that was electric. I wish they wouldn't hide the crowd because, you know, um, one thing we have to remember of days of old uh, is that um, as much as the superstars tell the story, the the crowd tells the story just as well. Yep. Because, you know, when when you hate something or when you, you're supposed to hate something, but you actually like it, and they, when they've got it wrong and you let them know, there's there's just something magical about that. Uh, so they shouldn't try to hide that stuff. Um, but being a part of that crowd, uh, I just absolutely love what they've been doing with Roman Reigns. Um, like, I buy his merchandise now. I just I bumped to his new theme song. I think it's just incredible. And, um, yeah, I just... I can't believe some of the stuff he's been doing in the ring. Uh, and, and so I'm sold. I'm sold. I, I, I'm i not, you know, the, the product will never be what it once was. You know, that was the top of the mountain. And now we're sitting in the middle of the mountain, looking um, out, looking at, at the at the high point of a mountain and just thinking, God, are we ever going to make it up there again? Probably not. Um, but, yeah, no, so... Yeah, him, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, Ricochet is just one of the most uh, craziest performers in the ring. Uh, he d- he deserves so much more than what he's getting. Um, and then Adam Cole. Adam Cole is just absolutely untouchable. Yeah, boom. He's, he's so good. I have to say something immediately because it just hit me. We're three stupid assholes. You know who we haven't mentioned at all? Who? A- AJ Styles. Oh, Jesus. Not a one oh, of us yeah. said AJ Styles. Yeah, no, that you're absolutely right. Yeah. He's the Shawn Michaels of our day. He's absolutely. the Shawn Michaels of our day. AJ yeah. Styles. Yeah. He's been he's been just kind of quiet lately in you know, he hasn't been in the big picture on the show. It's not that he's forgettable, but every time he's still on, he still he still puts on a good show. Yep. I, I want to go back to your original comment about John Cena of somebody that uh, he goes out there, you know, and He's gonna sell, you know. He's gonna, he's gonna make the other guys look good. He's okay. he's he's not gonna have a bad match, and despite how you might feel about Cena or or whatever, yeah, that happens. And AJ Styles is is right there. He um uh, just took the mantle of the Shawn Michaels esque um character, and uh, yeah, just he's the Shawn Michaels of our time. Just one of the greatest. You can't not be invested in what he does in the ring, you know, maybe not invested in the storyline, but you could sit there and you could put the TV on mute and not know what happened. So 10 minutes before that and uh, watch it and enjoy yourself Uh, because the oohs and ahs of like what he does, even when it's the same thing at times, it's just incredible. So yes, I'm glad you brought him up because that's a, 
Yeah, yeah that's uh, he, dude's untouchable in my he opinion. He is. So one thing, uh, Josh, that you were just talking about, and I meant to bring this up earlier, uh, when you were talking about Cena always selling, uh, and this touches back to Lucas's part about uh, going back and The Rock not being very good in the ring. If you mm-hmm. watch him sell, he is you would think that they're breaking his leg or they're twisting his arm off. Just going back and watching some of it and hearing some interviews and uh, like sorry, when, the, the rock or John Cena, the rock, the rock. Okay. Yeah. So sorry. I didn't probably say that, but yeah, going back to the rock, you watch him in the ring, like, and he would sell the whole, you know, the rest holds, whatever it, the guy was unbelievable at that. So just yeah. bringing, you know, that story part into it and ha- hearing him and stone cold talk about how he would always try to pop stone cold in the ring and oversell the stunner as much as he could just to try to get a reaction out of him. So it's not like it was like him just trying to be dumb. It was like, no, I'm going to make your ass laugh when I do this. So I'm going to go all the way across the ring and out to sell your move. And it, yeah. so for me, I, I think he's, he may not, he's not in AJ Styles or Shawn Michaels category, but I think he's a very serviceable worker in the ring back, yeah. back in the day. Not probably now, but. I still want to see him for one more, one more match, and I think with, I think the best opportunity for The Rock right now is um, the culmination of this Roman Reigns arc. You know, they've they've had a little bit of banter on Twitter just over the last couple of years, right? Yeah. Of the what ifs and the maybes, and with Roman being the head of the table, and he's putting people down. I think he's going to put Cena down, um, and just hold that title. And even if he loses it in the coming months, um, the culmination of that head of the table arc is going to be Roman Reigns versus The Rock. Um, and I think The Rock's going to give it to Roman. And at that point, that's the passing of the torch. The Rock would be done. Yeah. And uh, I, I think there's there'd be something very, very special about about that. Will, will that happen in WWE? I mean, it can only happen in WWE, but I think it. I think it's fifty-fifty. I, yeah. I think it's. Uh, it could really actually be a possibility. I'm not too hopeful for special things in WWE these days, despite still being a fan of the product. Um, there's just not much for surprises. You know, wrestling also evolved very quickly in our younger years, and so which made it more and more interesting all the time. And they've set the bar so high that we want it to raise up. We want it to raise up. It's just hard for a lot of people to get to that point now. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. So, I'm um, glad we traveled down this road. Yeah, me too. I, that Absolutely. Was, yeah, that was that was fantastic. Um, you know, I was going to ask you guys. I had to kind of find out we were going to. We had some talking points. Uh, and I was going to ask what your favorite storyline has been. Mm-hmm. But I actually kind of feel we could save that for another episode because okay. we've hit the hour mark now, guys, and we're yeah. just chatting about, I mean, we've covered two topics. How do we start? Who was our favorite wrestlers? And it got us to this point. So I think going into storylines because there's so many to choose from, and I really want us to be able to think about it and kind of get a good idea of what our favorite storyline has been. I think yeah. I want to save it, but I do want to touch on this. Uh, this will kind of be our end point here. Um, we all have talked about how we love wrestling and what really makes us enjoy WWE. But I guess my last question tonight is going to be, at what point, because I think all three of us have hit this point at some point watching wrestling, did you just go, 
this isn't good anymore or I'm not interested anymore in the product. It doesn't do it for me anymore. I think we've all three been there. We can agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Russ, I, I want to start with you on that one. <sighs> I think it's a lot of it started when, when they took away more of the creative control that the performers had in the ring. When you started hearing more about scripted promos and being told what to say and how to say it, and not being able to be, you know, that version of themselves turned up to 11, like you hear all the wrestlers talk about. Um, between that, the 50-50 booking drives me absolutely up the wall. Like, it, you don't have to win and lose every week. It's okay. I mean, how many times did Mankind lose in matches before he ever got his chance? Or any of those types of characters. Uh, that, that it, I think, may be one of the biggest things. And to be honest, when they went more with the corporate approach, in like in the company itself where they were the pg era uh that type of stuff not that you need you know you don't need to have deborah and trish walking around with their thong hanging out and their boobs pushed way up to their chin not that i would complain yeah, it i'm doesn't just saying hurt. it doesn't hurt but you don't have to have that um, put the women and children to bed yeah and i mean so it's I think it was a bunch of those things and coming up for me coming out of the attitude era like how do you find characters bigger or like better characters to be invested in than the rock stone cold uh triple h the undertaker those type of characters like it and it's you're comparing apples to oranges but it is hard to find that next group of people to come in that are that good that you are interested in you know there's a lot of great workers in there i you know i touched on like um cesaro ricochet absolutely fantastic in ring not the greatest talkers hard to enjoy a match or a promo when a guy or gal isn't very good on the microphone. You don't get invested in their personality. Um, So it's, I I think some of that, I get frustrated with the good workers, uh, you know, throw in Dolph Ziggler, The Miz, those type of guys where they just are always relegated to lower mid-card level, but they're some of the best performers that they've got in the company. Well, if I'm going to have to sit and listen to um, um, Bobby Lashley, MVP, and Roman Reigns talked for the last hour. That doesn't interest me. Yeah. And so it was, it, it's kind of just the characters I don't get into. Like Bobby Lashley, who's really going to beat him in a match? Realistically. Nope, he doesn't need Lana walking around that he stole her from, from Rusev. He doesn't need that. Now, did she look good at that time? Absolutely. But he didn't need that. He's, he's a world killer. Why haven't we gotten Brock and Bobby Lashley yet? Yeah. Why, I mean, that's, that's a no-brainer. But here we are, and we've got Bobby Lashley throwing Kofi Kingston around like a ragdoll. Wow, that was fun. Yeah. So it's maybe it's more of the, and I don't want to put the blame on any of the performers because they're doing what they're told to do and they have to get a paycheck. So I get all that. So maybe it's just the creative control that the way things are and the way they're doing all the booking and somewhat of the character development that isn't there all the time. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, yeah I can agree with 99% yeah. of that. Yeah. 100%. Josh, what do, what do you think? What do you got to say about I I think um, after the ruthless aggression era, which I had, I'm not sure when that officially ended, but 2006, 2007, from there on out for about 10 years, wrestling was just very on and off for me. Uh, moved into the PG era, and so they... You know, it took away a lot of the, the blood and the uh, 
they, they did a, um, a, a lesser job of, I'll go back to something I said earlier, a lesser job of suspending belief and just where it's just like, you're not selling, you're just not selling. And I think that's also at a time period where they, they took a lot of the creative control away um, because they were scared of losing their product because it just started to go down the rabbit hole a little bit and they tightened it up. And I don't think they just ever loosened it very well ever since then, which is unfortunate because wrestlers nowadays are being dismissed, released, cut, whatever, not put on television because of something that's out of their control. And that's, that's not fair. That's, that's definitely not fair to them. And so that's been for 15 years now, the, the biggest problem in that company is just the, the lack of control that, that the wrestlers themselves have. Um, so what really, so that, that really did it for me when I came back into it, it would have been 2017 where I really started where I don't miss a show anymore, especially since I can watch it on Hulu. And so my life's different now. I got to be able to watch it when I want to watch it. Not, not at a, I don't set aside time for it. Um, so I enjoy the product in a way that um, I can absolutely just, if I wanted to, I could put it on mute and I could watch it and enjoy the athleticism of it. Um, do they sell in the ring as well as they used to? No, because even though I think the performance, the, um, athletic ability is, is very strong right now. Um, there's some very, very awesome spots that they do. The high flying is better than ever. Um, but at the same time, it's just hard to reach above that bar. And so, um, I watch nowadays mostly because I can just come up with my own storyline if I wanted to, or think outside the box. It just doesn't matter. But when I'm watching it, just think of like, wow, there's, there is not anybody else on the planet that can do what these guys are doing right now. You know, uh, AEW also, they, they're just putting on a great show of the little bit of stuff I've, I've watched. I'd love to watch AEW a lot more. I, I just can't, uh, they, they just need to they need to branch out. They need to make themselves more available. Yeah, they're on TNT, which is great and bad because they're not on a streaming service. I mean, I guess they kind of are. They're on some of the lesser-known streaming services like FUBU and Sling. You can look into getting on, it. You can get them on Hulu. Um, that's like the live, though, right? Like, uh, Oh, yeah, that's what I have. So, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's like I, I really want that, but I don't want to, I don't want to pay the premium. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, if it was, you know, I already have enough streaming services. I, I, I want to be able to, you know, I'd love to be able to do that. Um. So, yeah, I, that's why I can enjoy the pro the product is is just that uh, I know what it once was, and I, I had to and I didn't watch anymore for a long time because of this. I, I had to accept the fact that that, that was a golden age of something that was lightning in a bottle. It's not going to happen again. And that's okay. Because that was like, you felt good all the time. 
everything you watched. It was great, but it was, that wasn't realistic or sustainable to a point now where now the product is um, highs and lows, which is like, Oh man, that was terrible or whatever. But sometimes when it's really good, it's those rare moments that peak and that can sell it for me big time. Um, But the product um, of the talent that goes into the ring, I can get behind that. Um, I can absolutely watch that all day long. Um, Man, even just watching like some of the behind the scenes stuff of performance center stuff of just training in the ring, whatever. I love that kind of stuff. I think that stuff's great. So. Yeah, I agree with you there. My favorite things to watch are the interviews and the documentaries. And it's funny, you mentioned uh, earlier, Russ, you mentioned Kurt, Ang- um, no, uh, Kurt Hennig. I just watched the Mr. Perfect documentary like four hours ago where How was show- it? it was, it's older, you know, it's, yeah. I think it's like six years old, but they showed the vignettes where they're taping him shooting the baskets and doing all this ridiculous yep. nonsense and being absolutely perfect. <laughs> Yep. Uh, so it's funny it. you mentioned it. Those are my favorites. Those are the documentaries. That's what I watch Peacock for now because I, yeah. I don't watch the pay-per-views. I don't watch Raw. I, when it went COVID I, I, and there was no crowd, I, I, I completely quit watching and I would rely on Simon Miller's ups and downs on YouTube. That's how I got my wrestling news on Twitter. Um, yeah. But uh, if we're going back to this question of when I started to lose interest or when it you know started to go down for me was actually after WrestleMania 30 because we saw so much and that was such an emotional pay-per-view for me because that was the Daniel Bryan Triple H match to open the show, which was fantastic. And they had the yes movement going on and it was really the height of anything they've done for me in the last 15 years. Uh, We got to see Undertaker lose, which introduced the new character, you know, Brock Lesnar's new, the beast, he's not going to be stopped. And we got to see Daniel Bryan win the title and the, the huge celebration at the end. And I feel like since then, it's been a steady decline down. Uh, WrestleMania 31 was atrocious, in my opinion. Um, It it felt like that was the last really big moment in WWE for me, which is crazy. But even with the bringing in of AJ Styles, um, Samoa Joe, these guys that I followed, it was like WWE became a company that, realize that they could drop the ball on anything and it became like a kind of an inside joke you know hey we can get shinsuke nakamura cool bet you we can screw him up how no way oh just you watch hold my beer we're gonna screw him up and that just seems like what they've done i i got to a point where i just i knew that i would never feel as excited for wwe as i had felt during wrestlemania 30 and then you know, because of that, I ventured outward and because I, I love pro wrestling. It's my favorite thing. I fall asleep listening to wrestling podcasts. I play wrestling games. It's like what I wait for every year is the wrestling video game. I've got like no mercy mods on my computer, wrestling manager on my iPad here. I'm, I'm a huge wrestling nerd. Um, but if we're, if we're solely talking about my disinterest for WWE, it actually, after WrestleMania 30, I started watching like New Japan. And I started seeing these guys that were beating the ever living shit out of each other in these really long storylines. Like they do something really well where they'll start a feud with somebody in just the most 
you know, subtle of ways. It's like a look or a glance in the hallway during a press conference or something. And that will build slowly for a year into this payoff in a match that kicks ass and they're beating the shit out of each other. And I would watch this and then I would turn back to WWE and wrestlers can't do pile drivers. Wrestlers can say, you know, the worst thing they can call you is a bitch. And it's, it's just too corporate and too soft for me now. I just can't. I, I feel embarrassed when my wife sees it, if that makes sense. The product now, like I wanted to watch, what was the last pay-per-view I watched? The first one back. Was it Money in the Bank, I think? Was that the first pay-per-view when they came back? Yeah. yeah. And the whole time we watched it, she like rolled her eyes. and Oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. And they had all their childish humor and it just i don't know it feels like it it turned into a kid's show i mean it's a kid's show that's what it is now and now there's an alternative and i i fully lost interest because my interest was only held by the fact that it was the only thing to watch you know and now there's alternatives and it's easier to access than ever so i choose to watch the other shows it's just better for me i'm not as articulate as you guys you guys are awesome and i'm just kind of this turd who's like "Eh, no no, you're good your your story is your own and you're you're, yeah man no and that's that's a you know you brought that up and i didn't really even think of it either but now there's competition you know not necessarily against wwe but for stuff for us to watch you know even even going with like ring of honor when it had a little bit of traction at three four years ago and then AEW and Lucas, you talked about New Japan. I started watching that. And I'm like, this is this is good. This is old school style wrestling that tells a story that the characters are are good and interesting. And we look at how many people have came from New Japan to WWE that have been washed out. Oh. That have been given, you know, the oh, we can't screw this up. Hold my beer treatment. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the Good Brothers. Anderson and Gallows, I think they're hilarious. If you listen to their podcast, it's just stupidity and it's so much fun. But they're good. They're great. And they just got shit on when they were in WWE. They came in hot and then just fell apart. Yep. You know, it I don't know. It's hard to watch. It's hard to hard to watch when you know good talent isn't being used properly. Yeah. Yep. I think that has a lot to do with the um with the with the control of Vince McMahon. Yes. Now let's just talk about Vince McMahon. Um, it's it's a well-known fact that the fans think Vince is out of touch, but he's insanely married to his role with WWE that if he doesn't sell, he's not going to step down. He's not nope. going to be a part of it. No. Nope. He doesn't need – I don't think the best option – for that company would be for him to hand it down to Shane or Stephanie or Triple H or what have you. It's, it's to sell. It's, it's to sell because there's too much influence on his part that the people at his table have been around where it's, it's hard to come up with something more fresh. Like I think Triple H should be a leader in WWE for the product, but he shouldn't run it in Vince's stead or in Vince's, you know, with Vince being gone or what have you. I think they should sell. 
I think it's time because uh, Vince was an absolute creative genius, but you know, I'm a Star Wars fan too. If you go look back and George Lucas back when he made Star Wars was just, you know, all these awesome fresh ideas and everything. But, you know, if you, if you just continue to, to do it from your viewpoint and not try to evolve, um, well, it's not, sorry, let me take that back. Not that he wasn't trying to evolve. If you just continue to do it from your viewpoint, this kind of thing should take a village. It shouldn't yep. be run by one person because mm-hmm. the distaste comes from the fact that the same person is making all of the decisions all of the time. And how do you, and that worked for a while, but how do you do that for 40 years? How, how do you do that? You, you, you don't. No, you can't. And so the plague in the WWE product is Vince McMahon. Um, and it, and I love Vince McMahon and revere him in a special kind of way. But he just uh, uh, has become the mad king. He, he just he doesn't he doesn't have it and he can't let that go. And he can't reach the understanding that he just can't get that back. Um, and so there's a lot of like help that came along the way and has he come up with some good ideas yeah but it's few and far in between and the processes haven't changed the the, the staleness of the way the wrestlers are treated hasn't hasn't changed you know like his idea for becky lynch to be the man that was got so over or whatever not his idea by the way uh roman reigns uh to do what he's doing now after Vince shoved the ver- Vince's version of Roman Reigns down her throats for six, seven, eight years, um, not Vince's idea. So there's a trend of things that once they're finally allowed, Bray Wyatt, The Fiend, another one, once it's finally allowed, like, okay, none of these things are Vince's ideas. And so, yeah, I mean, take the bolt off and let the engine roar. I, they got to sell it. They, get, they they have to sell the product um, and, and rethink it. And I think when they do that, it's going to suck a little bit worse before it gets better. But uh, the best thing, like you said, I'm just going to, I'll close with it on my part uh, is a AEW is such a good alternative. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing stuff that's fresh. They're, they have a leadership of so many people that know what they're doing over there that, that the creative is happy, wrestlers are happy, you know. They've ran into some of their own bumps too, but oh, of course. But uh, they're doing something that's new and that's really turning heads. And so, that, if that can't shake up WWE at some point, I don't know. They yeah, got to They got to And let's be real: what seventy-five-year-old man is going to be in touch with what twenty-five and thirty-year-old people are into? Yeah, I mean, it just it. It, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. And if you can't, if you can't let go, then get out. Yeah. And wrestling, uh, it's, it's a roller coaster. You know, it goes down for a while. It comes up for a while and in different places. And um, yeah, and it's a little bit different ride for everyone. And that's what's so fun because it's still fun to talk about wrestling. Cause when you, when you love it, it's a lifestyle and uh, we're, there's I was I didn't want to watch for like 10 years and I kind of just watched like Wrestlemania and stuff like that 
and then came back and just looked at the product different and found another a different way to enjoy it. Uh, had I tried to continue the same way, I, I wouldn't have kept watching. But uh, yeah, I think I evolved because I had to and then been able to really enjoy it in, in that sense. But I, I absolutely see the flaws, absolutely uh, see the, the missed opportunities. And, and I, right now with all the releases and stuff, I have no clue what they're doing other than I half expect after SummerSlam to hear some sort of announcement of what the WWE is doing because it's a lot to let 65 people go in a year after they're coming back and they're they're in person, they're traveling again. It just doesn't make sense. Right. So I, and I'm it's, curious it's to find of, out what they're doing. It's a lot of top talent, not low mid-card guys or you know extras or things like that. These are top, top guys, some of them that is, it's ridiculous when you think about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on, Bray Wyatt, seriously? Seriously, Braun Strowman, he was – challenging for the title at uh, the last uh, pay-per-view a couple months at ago. wrestlemania yeah yeah well i mean what is this this yeah. none of it makes sense and uh yeah josh i'm i'm on board i think vince needs to go and i think they need to sell and i think they need to sell the fox or nbc i think that's yeah. the only options espn isn't going to touch them because they're not a real sport no um you know these other networks abc cbs they they look at it as a joke it's very low level entertainment in a lot of people's eyes so yeah i think realistically I think it's going to be NBC just because of how they sold the network to Peacock. That's just yep. how it's going to go. Yeah, that's fair. And it's going to be a, a different a different thing at, at first as they're learning what to do with it. It's going to be a kind of a sink or swim. Um, but they can't keep doing what they're doing. Um, no. Because the, lo- the long-time fans are, are fed up and the, the, the newer fans don't stay as interested. They don't become longtime fans, and that's yep, not sustainable. Yep they they've honey dicked us for so long with the promise of excitement and of that moment when there's going to be that big return or that big change, and they just don't ever provide it. They just keep stringing you along, and they've just done it too long now. It's over. Yeah, in my long, opinion, it's yeah. over. How long ago was it that we had all four of the McMahon Helmsleys in the ring, and they said, "We hear you. We're going to make changes." Yeah, and. Didn't Shane get into a bunch of pay-per-views that year because he was back? I mean, that's that's not different. I'm sorry. Yep. And that that's just it. Like uh, they changed nothing, and I'll just say it like this: you know, if you feel like you have to come out and apologize, and in other ways apologize again, and you know, like things are not going well, and the fans aren't happy, I'm sorry, but apologizing without change. It's just manipulation. Yep. And that's, that's yeah, that just doesn't do it for me. No, I agree. I think you're muted, Luke. I'm back. You're back. You're back. Okay. Well, I was going to say this has been uh, a hell of a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed our conversation tonight, you guys. Uh, we're hitting that hour and a half mark. So I think if it's okay with you, just muted again. Sorry. Yeah. Am I back? Yeah, yep. you're back. Don't move. Okay, basically what I was saying is let's wrap this shit up because it's been an hour and a half. Josh, thank you for coming on. And Russ, yeah, man, that's been awesome. I think we should do it again if you guys are up for it. So, you know, absolutely, it'll be a great time. Uh, with that being said, guys, uh, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. All right, yeah, bye.
Hotspots, 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 Hotsp